Welcome to Resounding Verse, a podcast about poetry and song. Branch by Branch by Edna St. Vincent Millay Branch by branch this tree has died. Green only is one last bough, moving its leaves in the sun. What evil ate its root? What blight? What ugly thing? Let the mole say, the bird sing, or the white worm behind the shedding bark tick in the dark. You and I have only one thing to do. Saw, saw, saw the trunk through. The American poet Edna St. Vincent Millay lived from 1892 to 1950, and she's famous for being the first woman to ever win the Pulitzer Prize for poetry in 1923. She was known in her day as a poet who adopted traditional forms, forms like the sonnet, forms like the rhyming couplet, in opposition to some of her contemporaries who used more modernist techniques, poets like T.S. Eliot and Wallace Stevens, for example. Even though she used these traditional forms, though, she infused them with modern ideas. Her poetry was known for engaging with social and political ideas and for conveying new kinds of female experience. This particular text actually comes from a larger poem called Not So Far as the Forest, which she wrote in 1939. And in this part of the poem, the speaker is observing a tree that has died, and she seems to be observing it from some remove, as though standing apart from this thing that lies before her, and viewing it with a kind of awe and mystery. She doesn't know what destroyed the tree, but she knows that the creatures of the natural world do. The mole, the bird, the white worm. They know more than she does. They have a kind of wisdom that surpasses her own. And this is an important aspect of the poem, that nature seems to know things that we don't. At the end of the poem, though, the speaker enters into that world that she's been observing from afar, and she does so by engaging in a crucial action. She saws the tree in two. The last two lines of the poem form just the kind of rhyming couplet that Edna St. Vincent Millay loved to use in her poetry. You and I have only one thing to do. Saw, saw, saw the trunk through. It's an amazing couplet with those three repeated words, saw, 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 that of course mimic the action of the poetic speaker and also create a kind of bluntness, even a, a violence that contrasts with the beauty and subtlety of the earlier parts of the poem. This is language that is meant to sound brutal, forceful, even crude. But how does the poetic speaker feel about cutting down this dead tree? Does she do this action matter-of-factly, eagerly, reluctantly, 
it's not entirely clear, but I think the violence of these last two lines, when considered in light of the sympathy that the poetic speaker seems to feel for the tree, suggests that this is not an action she takes lightly. It's almost as though she's putting the tree out of its misery, the way you would with a dying animal. Something evil ate the root of this tree, but she has to finish it off, and it's a painful thing to do. I can relate to this feeling of sympathy for trees. I live in Oregon, and Oregon is a place that is full of trees. I look out in my backyard, and there are trees everywhere. I take hikes with my family, and there are trees all around us. And we learn to recognize how old they are, what kind they are. So for all of those reasons, I can relate to feeling that cutting down a tree, even a dying tree, is ending a life. It's important to remember that this poem was written in 1939, right at the beginning of World War II. Edna St. Vincent Millay was famously a pacifist, but her feelings began to change after the start of the Second World War. And in 1940, she began to agitate for the United States to enter the war. In this context, the cutting down of the tree in this poem takes on a deeper and more horrific significance. The tree becomes a metaphor for not just a life, but a human life, a life cut down by war. Some who have written about this poem have suggested that the you in the final couplet, you and I have only one thing to do, is death itself, a specter that would have been very much in Edna St. Vincent Millay's mind when she wrote this poem. Branch by Branch by Edna St. Vincent Millay Branch by branch this tree has died. Green only is one last bough, moving its leaves in the sun. What evil ate its root? What blight? What ugly thing? Let the mole say, the bird sing, or the white worm behind the shedding bark tick in the dark. You and I have only one thing to do. Saw, saw, saw the trunk through. And now, here's a musical setting of the poem by the Black American composer H. Leslie Adams.
but blight. What ugly thing. Let them all say, the birds sing. Or the white worm behind the shedding bark. Tick in the dark. H. Leslie Adams was born in 1932, and he's still very much active as a composer. He served for many years as a choral conductor and an educator before turning to full-time composition in 1979. Adams is known in particular for music that he's written for voice, choral music, and art song. This particular song was written in 1960, quite early in the composer's career, and it comes from a collection of songs based on poetry by Edna St. Vincent Millay, and the collection is called Five Millay Songs. I first learned of this song from discovering the recording that you just heard, a recording by Daryl Taylor and a pianist named Robin Guy. Daryl Taylor is an important figure in the performance of art songs by African-American composers. He started the African-American Art Song Alliance, a resource that provides recordings and information and background about numerous Black American composers. And he released a wonderful CD in 2001 called Love Rejoices, Songs of H. Leslie Adams. In commentary on H. Leslie Adams' music from the African-American Art Song Alliance, Daryl Taylor writes about the piano parts of these Malay songs. And one of the things that first struck me when I heard this piece is the inventiveness of the piano part. Comparing Adams' use of the piano with Robert Schumann, who is famous for integrating the piano and the voice in his art songs, Taylor writes this, He says, picturesque is the best word one may use to describe the piano treatment of these songs. And he goes on to say that that the piano, quote, intercedes to complete fragments of thoughts where words fail. What's so striking about the piano in this song, and you hear it from the very beginning of the song, is that it paints a scene, but also expresses emotions. The piece begins with hesitant, slowly moving chords that sound in eighth notes with rests between them. And those piano chords evoke the creaking branches of the dying tree, the moving leaves on the tree, 
they also suggest the tick in the dark of the worm who knows why this tree has died, even though the speaker doesn't. They also create a stillness, almost a lifelessness at the beginning of the song that, of course, suits the scene that the poetic speaker is witnessing. But as much as the piano part is picturesque, to use Daryl Taylor's term, it's also emotional, expressive. These slowly repeating chords sound a note of trepidation, even discomfort or pain. Listen for the little stings of dissonance in the piano part. After this dissonant piano introduction, the voice enters, singing the first words of the poem. Branch by branch, this tree has died. But it seems to come in a beat early. It sounds detached from the piano accompaniment. Recall that when I discussed the poem, I talked about how the poetic speaker seems to stand apart at a certain remove from this scene. Well, H. Leslie Adams finds the perfect musical metaphor for this separation of speaker and scene by having the vocal melody out of sync with the piano part. Comparing what might have happened with what actually happens is a useful way to understand the inventiveness and expressiveness of Adams' song. Here's how the song would sound if the vocal melody were more in sync with the piano part. And what I've done here is simply sing over the piano accompaniment and place the stressed notes in the melody on the important beats in the measure. Branch by branch this tree has died. Now listen to what Adams does, and I think you'll feel the fact that the vocal melody seems to exist in a different space. Branch by branch, this tree has died. The piano continues to be picturesque in the second part of the song, although in a slightly different way. Here, what Adams does is use the piano to depict the other characters in the scene, the characters that are still vibrant and still active, the mole, the bird, the worm, those creatures that tell about what has happened to the tree. The poem says, let the mole say, the bird sing, and we hear them speaking and singing in the active piano accompaniment. We hear suddenly flowing sixteenths in the piano, a faster tempo, and rapid arpeggiations in the right hand that reach up three octaves. These are the creatures of the natural world singing, in contrast with the tree dying. 
static accompaniment returns and it's only appropriate because it comes back at the moment that the speaker turns her attention again to the tree and has to reckon with the action that she must take. Recall that I said that in the poem it's not entirely clear what the speaker's attitude is about this action, even though I think we're meant to interpret the action as something painful, something difficult, something that she doesn't want to do. Well, if there was any ambiguity in the poem, that ambiguity is erased in the song. When we turn to the words, saw, saw, saw the trunk through, that moment where we have three repeated words that have a kind of brutal force to them, H. Leslie Adams exaggerates their brutality we hear three repeated pitches separated in time. And we also hear a pair of chords repeated three times. Here is H. Leslie Adams's setting of that final rhyming couplet, which Daryl Taylor sings perfectly, emphasizing that S sound at the beginning of the word saw. It's almost as though his voice is mimicking the sound of the saw itself. There's a curious moment at the very end of the song, and you just heard it. It's a rolled chord at the final moment. I have to confess that it's hard for me to know exactly what to make of this moment, but it's one of those moments that keeps me returning to a song, precisely because I want to understand it better, and because in some ways I can understand it differently each time I hear the song. Sometimes I hear this as a final quiver of the tree, almost like its last breath. Other times I hear it as a small puff of wind blowing across its branches. And sometimes I hear it as a sound that's more about the speaker of the poem than about the tree. I hear it as a shudder or a quick intake of breath as she looks upon the severed tree. Either way, it's yet another example of this composer's remarkable ability to imbue a single gesture with so much meaning. And here, once again, is Branch by Branch by H. Leslie Adams.
Special thanks to Daryl Taylor for giving me permission to use his recording of Branch by Branch. A score to the song and to the entire collection from which it comes can be purchased on sheetmusicplus.com. To listen and subscribe to the podcast, go to resoundingverse.com. Resounding Verse is produced by me, Steve Rogers. Thank you for listening. <laughs>